The following is a presentation of ComedyVoices.com. We have a very nice Iowa caucuses recap, a little bit of a preview for the New Hampshire primaries. And the guy sitting to my right is pretty excited about something he may or may not have predicted. Cruise, cruise, cruise. Stay tuned. Check in and subscribe to your favorite show on ComedyVoices.com. Powered by digital media. Find your voice. Stand Up Labs and UCB Comedy lead the way in bringing you one laugh after another on ComedyVoices.com. A digital media production. Coming to you from the top of the Stand Up New York Comedy Club, this is a Stand Up Labs production. Powered by ComedyVoices.com. Find your voice. Welcome to the Mandatory Samson Podcast. I'm your co-host, Joe Noe, and here's your host, Chris Flannery. <laughs> oh, wow. That is good stuff. High energy, bro. High energy. I, I think it's adorable that you refer to yourself as co-host and refer to me as the host. I think that's sweet. We both host the show. Uh, thank you, Joey. That was good. I think the Samsonites are going to enjoy that little uh, treat. Well, thank you. Uh, welcome to the program, everyone. We have a full Iowa caucuses recap, a 2016 update, and a little bit of a look ahead at the New Hampshire primary, which will have already taken place uh, by the time we record next episode. Okay. So we'll, we'll be able to cover that, but we're going to give you a little preview at the end of the program today. Before that, we got some new Flint, Michigan information. The SoCal Methane League, we got some interesting stuff about that. Uh, piracy harms. I'm being intentionally Ooh. vague. We'll get into that. Uh, and a big development involving Julian Assange. Nice. Uh, first, we got some shout outs and emails. Uh, we're also going to do a quick note about the intercept. There's a, uh, something happened that I just want to put out there because we're always talking about the intercept. We're usually quoting stuff from yes. their articles and things like that. So I'll put that out there in a minute. Uh, John Fatigay producing the program. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Um, listen, Samsonites, thank you so much for all the feedback we got from last week's episode. We're going to get into some emails that'll, you know, kind of relate to that, but got a lot of tweets, comments on the SoundCloud page, emails that like everybody really enjoyed the episode, which is great. We love that. And I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't sure how that episode was going to go because it's like kind of a lot to get into, but I I think we did a nice job with it and people, we did a great job with it. Well, Jesus, Joey. All right. Uh, I mean, and it's amazing that we were able to do it because my father was a bartender. You know, it's like you come from humble beginnings Mm -hmm. and then you're able to accomplish this stuff with just a little bit of no, we out. No, I was looking for innovation. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Uh, All right. (laughs) So let me give some shout outs real quick. All right. Yeah. Jeff tack or talk G T-A-K-7 on uh, Twitter. He sent me a video about Trump's speech pattern, which was, a, which was really cool. I actually showed it to John. We were watching in the office. Um, it's not something we're going to play on the show. Okay. I do appreciate him sending it, but I, I just don't know how it would like fit in necessarily this week. But check it out. It was really interesting. This guy broke down how Trump talks differently than any other candidate that's running for president. He has an interesting way of like reordering his sentences huh. to end on the main point and all this stuff. It's like very salesman esque the oh. way that he speaks. So you guys could check that out. I mean, pretty easily. I think it'd be Trump 
speech pattern breakdown, whatever. I saw yeah. it on the link that uh, Jeff sent me was on Bro Bible. So, but uh, it was all over the place. Sam on Snapchat, he wants Hillary's "That's Great" on the soundboard. Uh, we, Ooh, that's a good one. I think that's a good one. I think we could probably add that. Uh, I hear you, uh, Austin. I appreciate the email, sir. I'm sending your stickers. I got it. They're coming out this week. All right. Oh, also, Ian and Allie sent emails separately um, about MSP65's reparations conversation. Uh, they really appreciated it, which I'm happy about. And Allie said she actually read the articles and had a nice uh, conversation with her dad about it. Oh, that's great. So that's really cool. Yeah, you guys should definitely check out the um, the Ta-Nehisi Coates article. You know, I mean, we tried to give a bit of a recap, but we're talking, you know, this guy really, really did a great job with this. Yes. So you should check it out. All right, you ready to get into a couple emails, and then we'll get into uh, what we got to cover on this program, Joey? Yep, I love the emails. Yeah, me too. I like hearing from the Samsonites, mandatory Samson at gmail.com. That is how you can reach one of us or both of us, me or the co-host, Joey. Uh, We got an email from David, and uh, I'm not going to read the whole email, but it was very nice, and he wrote, Donald Trump, he has a theory about Trump. Okay. This is, this is essentially the, uh, the gist of his email. He goes, Donald Trump is a plant, a double agent to win the nomination and throw the general election for Hillary. Any political operative worth their salt would know that alienating Latinos the way he did was political suicide. While his rhetoric about immigra- immigrants may play in the primaries with the, quote, angry white vote, it will come back to bite him in the general election. Donald, excuse me, Donald Trump is not delusional enough, at least I think, nor stupid enough to overlook this. It all points to one thing. He's a plant. House of Cards style. Hmm. Uh, Go ahead. I'm thinking actually now, Uh his plan is to write a book about it. That's the (laughs) only reason he's doing this is just to get a book out of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right. He's just going to be a, you know, maybe not a Fox News correspondent, but he's just right. He's just put himself into the political realm. He can sell political books and do whatever he wants. Yeah, it's just, it's a different, it's career change a little bit. I answered David. David, I really appreciate the email. I mean, he said, you're a loyal listener, David, which we love you. Thank you. Yes. Um, I, you know, I said the, the main thing is Hillary doesn't need somebody to help her win the election. That's the only real, you know, like I get it. I get his point that like, why would you kind of commit this sort of social suicide? But right. This is the big problem with the Republicans. They need to cater to their base in the primary. And then when it gets to a general, they have to tack back to the middle. But it's too late. Everybody's like, no, but the damage you is said done. you were going to execute all those Muslims and stuff and like build a wall. And we don't trust you anymore. I don't think Hillary needs that necessarily to win and i also don't think trump is the type of guy that's in it to lose yes also when you keep on mentioning carpet bombing people it's not good well trump i don't know if that's really where he went with it but i definitely the winner of the iowa caucus is ted cruz uh carpet bombing is part of his program anyway i just want to put that out there i appreciate the the thought and we'll see yeah maybe trump is just a plant but i i I tend not to think so and i think hillary is probably going to be able to do a pretty good job of winning the election on her own we got an email from Goodbye Gray Sky. She didn't give her real name, but that's cool. I really appreciate the email, and this relates back to last week's episode. We'll read this email, and then we'll get on with the, uh, the program. Hey, Chris and Joey, just wanted to say well done on MSP65. Been a fan and follower of the podcast since nearly the beginning. This episode, I think, is my absolute fave, which That's is awesome. awesome. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of comments like that, that people really, really enjoyed this one. It was, like a, it was a good one. So thank you so much, guys. We appreciate it. For context, I'm an African-American woman from Texas who wholeheartedly supports Senator Sanders for president. I'm also a bit of a ta Coates fan. 
The case for reparations is absolutely prolific. You and Joey did a great job at explaining the gist of the article. The state dispossessed black folk of their earned wealth, property, livestock, etc. We're talking postbellum forward, not even going into slavery, thereby eliminating opportunities to further perpetuate wealth for future generations, in addition to enacting systemic barriers for economic and social progress for decades. How does the state now attempt to address general re- generational injustice? I loved Coates' article not only because of the specific examples utilized to make the point, but also it's pretty damn cerebral. Now, to be honest, I don't think the reparations uh, for descendants of slavery in the good old U.S. of A. will ever occur, and I actually don't even care. It's more about having the hard conversations, the coming face-to-face with our country's history, the real one, not the Texas history book one, Mm. and acknowledging how fucked up it is and has continued to be, which is the point, and that's essentially what all the Coates article was about. It's like, why don't we adopt uh, John Conyers' H.R. 40 bill? Let's just examine the proposals. Doesn't mean we have to do them, but let's like actually have this conversation and acknowledging that the current situations that many African-American communities face isn't because of some inherent flaw in our DNA, but a result of hundreds of years of systemic violence and oppression by the state, which I think is, yeah, that's at the heart of it too. I think that's actually at the heart of racism and why people are just shitty to, you know, to people of color in the African-American community where it's like, well, they're just dumb. Like, no, that's, Cra- I mean, it's just like a crazy point of view to have. And right, there, there is clearly a, a lineage that we can point to where you go, well, this is why. There's mm-hmm. a huge disadvantage in that community. And still a ton of you know, people from the community are able to succeed and, and achieve things. But it's like, yeah, they're, they're working with um, you know, at a disadvantage. All right. So the above is the academic me, now pragmatic me. I think that Bernie Sanders is our best bet for getting someone in the White House who is really passionate about social progress. His record stands for itself. He is, if nothing else, authentic. Totally. She says, I am concerned about how he would implement a progressive or socialist agenda with the kind of Congress that folks have been electing over the past few elections. I don't know. Crossing fingers for the best. I really love the show and look forward to hearing y'all every week. X, goodbye, Grace, guys. Thank you, sweetie. We really appreciate the... Sweetie, how condescending. Thank you. (laughs) I don't know why I said that. Uh, Thank you. We really appreciate the email. And um, yeah, I'm just really happy that everybody enjoyed last week's episode because, you know, I think it was an important one and I I wanted to do it. All right, Joey, any final thoughts wrapping up the Tanasi Coates thing? Anything you want to say? Great discussion. Yeah. And let's move on to this week. Absolutely. All right. The first thing I want to get into is the Intercept thing that I mentioned. Now, we talk about the Intercept all the time. It's a great website. Glenn Greenwald, Jeremy Scale, Mm -hmm. a ton of great reporters on that site. They fired reporter Juan Thompson yesterday after discovering, quote, a pattern of deception in his reporting. I want to put it out. And I'm putting this out there because we bring it up a lot. I want to say to the Samsonites, we never used any of the works, any of this guy's works on the podcast. I never quoted him. We never did any of that. Let me just read the quick statement from Betsy Reed, who's the editor-in-chief of The Intercept, because I want to just put that out there, and then we can move on, but I I thought it was important to bring it up. Thompson fabricated several quotes in the stories and created fake email accounts that he used to impersonate people, one of which was a Gmail account in my name, the editor-in-chief of The Intercept. This guy. That's very clever, though. It's clever, but eventually he got caught. An investigation into Thompson's reporting turned up three instances in which quotes were attributed to people who said they had not been interviewed. In other instances, quotes were attributed to individuals we could not reach, who could not remember speaking with him, or whose identities could not be confirmed. In his reporting, Thompson also used quotes that we cannot verify from unnamed people whom he claimed to have encountered in public events. Thompson went to great lengths to deceive the editors, creating an email account to impersonate a source and lying about his reporting method. So I want to put that out there because in case people see it and they now we're going to question when we bring up stuff from The Intercept, like, 
you know, what's going on over there. It's this guy, and I think this is probably a one-off. This guy was being extremely deceptive. You know? Yes. Uh, my favorite deceptive thing he did yeah. is creating Scott Roof. Yes, he could during the... God, do you want to get into that a little bit? Yes. Uh, he created Scott Roof, who was to be Dylan Roof's cousin, and gave him the following quotes. Dylan was normal until he started listening to that white power music yeah. stuff. He kind of went over edge when a girl he liked started dating a black guy two years back. The black guy got her. He changed. I don't know if we believe... Oh, excuse me. I don't know if we would be here if not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, he's trying to make a case, and that's certainly not something that you see on The Intercept, where they're trying to create a narrative. They're not trying to create a narrative. They're trying to explain what is actually going on, and this guy obviously went, you know, over the overboard to try to... Do something, which is really underhanded and, and shitty, and they did the right thing by firing him. When Thompson was asked, you know, for comment, he said... No apologies. Which was fucked up, but it is what it is. All right. <laughs> That's it. We can move on to the next thing. California methane leak. Now, we talked about this, I don't know, whatever, maybe a month ago or something. Yes. Where there was just methane spewing into the atmosphere in, in Southern California. We have a little bit of an update. L.A. prosecutors have filed criminal charges against SoCal Gas, which is a division of Sempra Energy, which is the company that created this whole problem, stemming from the massive methane leak they caused in October. Four misdemeanor charges are for failing to report the leak from October 23rd to 26th. Thousands have been forced from their homes since the 23rd. The leak continues. Uh, if convicted... Listen to this. Now, mm-hmm. you tell me if this, this punishment sounds right or not. They could face tw- the company could face $25,000 a day for misleading, you know, not, not reporting that there was a leak. So they're facing a $75,000 fine, which doesn't sound like a lot. No. And then $1,000 for every day of air pollution, which as of the time of recording this is $105,000. So pretty much they're facing a little less than $200,000 worth of fines for putting out the single largest source of climate change pollution in California. Which, by the way, something I don't agree with sometimes is finding these companies. Right. Because when you find this company, it's going to be passed along to the taxpayers. Well, no. I mean, it wouldn't necessarily They're be gonna increase. Along. Well, in, in my opinion, they would increase the, you know, the cost of the gas for sure, the house, yeah, the true. heating. And, you know, the individuals are going to end up paying for the fine. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, to a certain extent, right. I mean... It, yeah, absolutely. But this is the kind of the untenable situation that I think we even see with banks and whatever. You can see it across the spectrum. Th- these companies become so ingrained in the way of life that you can't punish them hard enough because you might risk putting them out of business, but we can't put out, at this point, a huge natural gas supplier because that's what we're relying on is energy. That's why, ultimately, solar power, wind power, that's the way to go because the sun is already there. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? We're already, that's already shining down and we can absorb that energy. This is stuff they have to go dig and, you know, really could potentially create a serious problem. SoCal Gas Company has spent $50 million so far trying to fix the leak. Uh, just listen to this quote. This is just at the end of the article that I was reading. After several failed efforts to plug the leak, the company is now in the process of drilling a relief well. However, the process of drilling 8,000 feet to intersect with a pipe that is seven inches in diameter without hitting another pipe and springing another leak is immensely complicated. Sounds like bullshit to me. It's 2016. They should be able to pinpoint shit like that. There shouldn't well, even be an issue. Uh, no, but that's, the, that's, that's exactly the point. They shouldn't be able to because it's impossible, essentially, to do what they're doing. And it's too 
dangerous. Like this is not an obvious. This obviously isn't a great solution to the energy problem. You know no. what I mean? Like if it's going to cost you any fuck up, it's going to cost millions of dollars. People are going to get kicked out of their homes. Like what? What are we doing? That's probably not the right strategy. It's a lot of gas. Well, yeah, it's a lot. Of, that's the other thing. It's not even. Natural gas is considered the clean alternative instead of coal or burning fossil fuels, whatever, even though that's what natural gas is also. But the amount of energy that it takes, the amount of water, the amount of chemicals that you're putting in the ground to to force the natural gas out of the shale rock or whatever, however they're doing it, is astronomical. And then if you fuck up, it immediately becomes a gigantic problem. We talked about it. The methane is way heavier than... uh, the carbon that's going out into the air when you're burning stuff. So this is a terrible, terrible problem. And there's no real way to measure it. $200,000 is not going to fucking clean this up. There's no way no, to clean not it at up. all. So, you know, what are you going to do? And you're exacerbating climate change by dumping the shit out into the air. Not to mention you're making people sick and it's going to be a huge problem. Well, I also have to keep in mind that it's screwing up the everyday life. Oh, of course, Schools right. People are getting gotta, closed. Absolutely. People, people can't to, carry on. They have to be relocated. Yes, that, there's a cost to that. There's a cost to the people that can't go to work or, or, or anything, right? The kids aren't going to school. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. No, nobody, not, not a good situation. So anyway, we're going to keep our eye on that, but they have, you know, press charges against them, and we'll see where it goes. Um, privacy harms and U.S. education law. You interested in this? Yes. Good, you should be. This is an interesting one. This is stuff you're not going to hear really anywhere else. So man, enjoy it. Podcast. Yeah, enjoy it. Last month, President Obama signed the Every Student Succeeds Act into law. Uh, it features a strong focus on technology as far as education is concerned. That's good. That's positive. Theoretically. And it fully and if fully funded, it could release a billion dollars to school districts to buy computers or do whatever, to upgrade their internet, whatever they need to do yeah. to push technology forward for kids. Interestingly... The MPAA, which is the Motion Motion Picture Association of America, has been involved in the ESSA bill. Why, Joey? Why do you think? Well, don't answer it. It was a rhetorical question, and then we'll get into the conversation. Here's a quote. Maybe I'll give you guys a clue as to why they're involved. Creative Future wrote a thank you note to Congress on their website. Creative Future is uh, an MPAA-backed organization. They wrote, Congress did the right thing. ESSA, which sets new educational standards for our country, ensures that teachers, parents, and staff who are learning about new technologies in order to instruct the next generation of digital citizens must also understand the harms associated with piracy. There is no better time to help students understand copyright than when they are learning how to use the internet. Now, tech... Excuse me, Jesus, Polish Seltzer, Mandarin. Uh, Now, technology training for educators will also include this important pro-creativity message. Okay. Good. So what it seems to me is they're going to use maybe 10% of the money for technology and 90% of the money explaining to people not to download shit. <laughs> well, who knows how the money's actually going to break down. But yeah, I mean, they're, this is part. The, it's so 1984 to hear pro-creativity. It's not pro-creativity necessarily to be against file sharing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like th- that. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. A lot of content is free. Our content is free. It We're is- being creative. Joe Rogan's podcast is free. We're, he's being creative. You know yes. what I mean? A lot of free stuff goes down the world. You're not against creativity just because 
you're downloading something for free or you find a way to, to share the file. I mean, I get their argument, but it just seems weird and not weird necessarily, but they are targeting the youth, you know what I mean, to try to teach them that piracy is bad. L- listen to this. Effectively, this is part of the bill. There's an actual quote from the bill. To effectively integrate technology into curricula and instruction, and then parentheses, including education about the harms of copyright piracy, there was a public outcry after like the initial lesson plans came out involving hmm. this thing uh, because it was very one-sided in terms of anti-piracy, and it, ne- it needed to include an update about fair use uh, and alternatives to standard copyright That's not going to be in there. That has nothing to do with the MPAA. Well, they've, uh, they've updated the, the lesson plans. Oh, but again, right now they kind of have their hooks into this to the educational system. I don't know. What, what, do, you, what do you think about that, Joe? It, I, is, it I, is clever. It's very clever because right. if you could teach the kids at five years old right. that downloading is wrong and you're stealing, it's it's going to help the MPAA keep all positive a uh, possible um, income. Yeah. Well, that's what it's about. I mean. It's just interesting. And the other thing, the thing about it is that it, is, it will work. Oh, yeah. Like, they, it reminded me of the argument, I think, that, like, social conservatives make about, you know, teaching kids that gay marriage is okay in school. And they're worried because they're like, we don't think it is. And these goddamn kids are being indoctrinated. And they're right. The kids are being indoctrinated. The, the good news is that it is okay for gay people to get married. You know what I mean? It's like, that's a positive thing. Yeah. Gay people should be able to get married. They can do whatever they want. That's their human beings. Who cares? But the people that would argue against that being taught in schools are right because kids are going to have that stuff kind of ingrained into them as a kid. They don't know how to argue that point or whatever. They wouldn't even know that another side exists. So it's the same thing here. They're trying to implant this into what? Eighth grade education, sixth grade education. You know, kids kids will grow up understanding that. Yeah, no piracy is horrible and you're not creative. If you don't buy the Zoolander two DVD, you know what I mean? Don't knock Ben Stiller, bro. Fuck off. Uh, but you know, you understand what I'm yes. saying? You get my point. Um, all right, so that's something I want to put out there. It's just something definitely we'll keep an eye on, but the fucking MPAA is such a... Uh, like all these anti-piracy groups, they, 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 they act as though they're not making record profits. Yes, but that's still extremely clever to get the kids young and to get them believing that piloting is wrong. It's, it's very well done. Well, not even wrong that it's, you know, you're, you're an anti-creative if you... Uh, even consider pirating something it's very dangerous like it's not fucking dangerous for me to watch whatever movie for free it's not it's not really dangerous because i wasn't going to go to the movies to watch that movie anyway which i think is pretty much the argument the movie industry is making billions and billions and billions of dollars they're not losing anything they they keep making record smashing movies the avengers every every movie comes out billions of dollars worth of uh well what just came out star Star Wars. wars crushed crushed i haven't seen star wars i could probably download it but mm-hmm. it doesn't matter you've already made your billions of dollars i don't download i'm just kidding <laughs> uh all right let's move on do you got anything else to say uh, about nope. that Jay? all right let's move on let's do the julian assange thing then we're gonna get to a flint michigan update and then we'll get into the uh, iowa caucuses and all that stuff julian assange after three and a half years in the ecuadorian embassy without charge Assange says he will agree to be arrested by British police on Friday, which, as you know, if you guys listen to this, it is Friday already. Uh, if the UN investigation, which is taking place right now, does not rule he's being legally detained, he is hoping the ruling will state that his detention is arbitrary and unlawful and that he has not been able to access the benefit of the grant of asylum by Ecuador. Briefly, Julian Assange was trying to, 
he's the editor-in-chief of WikiLeaks. The United States government does not like that. Uh, apparently in Sweden, he has some kind of seemingly bogus sexual assault charges that have, have been out there for many years now. He tried to go to Ecuador to seek asylum, which they granted him, and he got stuck in the Ecuadorian embassy in London, and he has not left there in three and a half years. He was saying that tomorrow uh, or today, if you're listening to this, no matter what, he would either surrender to the police or he would expect that his passport would come back to him and he can go to Ecuador and go along his way. Neither was going to happen. Well, update, Joey. Update. UN has ruled... Oh, you know what? Let me... Uh, hold on. Oof, let's, not, let's not ruin the suspense here. Let me read the, uh, the Julian Assange quote. Oh, it's in the media folder. Excuse me. Sorry, guys. I got a little... A little upset there. All right, here we go. He tweeted this out. Should the UN announce tomorrow that I have lost my case against the United Kingdom and Sweden, I shall exit the embassy at noon on Friday to accept arrest by British police as there is no meaningful prospect of further appeal. However, should I prevail and the state uh, parties be found to have acted unlawfully, I expect the immediate return of my passport and the termination of further attempts to arrest me. So, update. Mm -hmm. The UN has surprisingly to me ruled in favor of Julian Assange. They say that he uh, arbitrary detention and his lawyers want time served essentially and they want the charges dropped in Sweden. They want him to have his uh, his passport back because then he wouldn't even need asylum at that point. He could just leave. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure the U.S. would find a way to arrest him. Yeah, well, he. I mean, obviously, I think he would continue on to Ecuador uh, in all likelihood. But the but the. The thing is, because what he's fearful of is that if he goes back to Sweden, they're going to arrest him and then they're going to extradite him to the United States. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't have any charges pending in Sweden, he can just continue on his merry way to Ecuador and then the United States won't have any jurisdiction over him for international law and things like that. Very interesting. I'm stunned that that even came anywhere near um, support of his. You know, we'll we'll see what happens. What do you think? You think he's going to get out of that embassy? Nope. Why? (laughs) He's going to be there to the day he dies. I really hope not. Um, I like Julian Assange. I mean, he's kind of a weird guy, but I like what he's doing. Uh, he's put out a lot of great information. And he's been under wraps for three and a half years. He really hasn't been able to be out there and, and do the type of interviews and, you know, just have the presence that he that he had before he went into this uh, the embassy. Look, when you're an ind- individual that's involved in with releasing 90,000 secret documents mm-hmm. and... Over three mailing diplomatic cables yeah. dating back to seventy three, mm-hmm. people are going to be after you. No doubt about it. Nobody, nobody said. I mean, I you would expect that. We saw it with Snowden. We saw it with Glenn Greenwald. We saw it with Glenn Greenwald's uh, husband, who was detained at the airport. You know, in Brazil. That's that's what happens. But I, I think that Julian Assange is doing something. It is not Julian Assange's job to protect the secrets of government. It's government's job to protect the secrets of government. If they don't do that job and Julian Assange gets that information, he can vet it and release it as a journalist. That's essentially the heart of the whole. And, you know, we're getting off the track here a little bit, but it doesn't matter. We'll keep our eye on this Julian Assange mm-hmm. thing. We'll see what happens. We'll have an update next week, hopefully. The argument is Julian Assange is a journalist Mm -hmm. or he's some kind of pirate for lack of a better word who's stolen documents and he's uh you know an international problem to me what is the difference between a guy that gets information secret information puts it out redacted doesn't nobody's getting hurt by it he's putting out information that he knows will keep sources safe and all this stuff Mm -hmm. and just gets the information out there what why is that not journalism what is the difference between somebody that covers the white house and goes you know what we we got a little tip about uh i think the president might be having an affair with his intern 
I think what's the difference? The difference is a piece of paper that says you can do it. Yeah, or you're saying right, being high, a part of the Washington Post or whatever. Yes. Yeah, but then take that argument even further. What's the difference between somebody that's just a blogger that gets the information and puts it out? Drudge, Drudge is a blogger. He doesn't work for the Washington Post. He puts out a lot of information that's unverified. It's just stuff that he's getting. You know, like that—that's the argument. It's just because the United States doesn't want the information that he's putting out. It's—it's it's potentially damaging to their counterterror organizations, whatever. But it's still information that we deserve to know, and a lot of it just relates to the citizens of the United States. It relates to our privacy concerns. It relates to how are we actually conducting the war in Iraq? Should we even be doing that? The Pentagon Papers, that was what helped end the war in Vietnam. Like These are all decisions in an actual democracy. That's why WikiLeaks was originally called the Sunshine Press. You got to put this information out in the light because that's where the truth can be found. All this like hidden top secret shit, everything they're mad at Hillary about, that all this classified information. Emails. Yeah, maybe it's okay if we know about that so that way we can make actual informed decisions about what we want to do with our military and our government and everything. You can't have the public be making decisions, Chris. Yeah, well, that's crazy. I mean, that is actually an argument that people make. Interestingly enough, though, we live in a democracy where that is all we're supposed to be doing is voting on things, uh, voting for our elected officials that are supposed to represent us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's not necessarily how it goes. All right. Any final thoughts on that, Joey? Uh, hopefully, you know what? Time served, then he gets to go to Ecuador. Um, yeah, let's see. We'll keep our eye on it. We'll definitely update that next week. All right. About halfway through the show, this is where, theoretically, if there was going to be an ad or something, this is where a little break would be. And if not, then we're just going to continue with the show in a second with a Flint, Michigan update. Okay. President Obama has signed an emergency declaration. Some of this stuff is a couple of weeks old because we've yeah. been doing some, a lot of other stuff that we've been covering, but I've been saving up some of this stuff. President Obama has signed an emergency declaration authorizing FEMA to provide water, filters, cartridges, and other supplies like water testing kits for 90 days. Uh, the EPA Midwest Administrator... Uh, Do it again. EPA Midwest Administrator Susan Hedman has resigned over this whole thing. Uh, and so far, Obama's released $40 million of emergency funds to the city of Flint, Michigan. You know, I still don't understand. To save $5 million, they switched the water over. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, God, did you have more to say about that? And they, they're going to end up spending like $100 million plus on this. Well, who knows how much it's going to go. I actually have a note here. It says, switching the water supply was a Rick Schneider, the governor of, of Michigan. It was his, uh, his idea, and it was oh, $5 million over two years. So it's like, Oh, excuse me. Over two years. And right now, it's cost him about $45 million, and obviously that number keeps growing. Because of all this stuff that this has come out to the public attention, to redo Flint, uh, Flint's water infrastructure, uh -huh. it would cost between $750 million and $1.5 billion. Sounds so, like right, infrastructure. So to save $2.5 million a year, he just like unveiled this horrific mess, mess this terrible tragedy that's going to affect so many, so many different people. Uh, listen to this. Jeb Bush, who, by the way, after his disappointing showing in Iowa, I almost feel bad even m mentioning the guy, it's just like he can't catch a break. He, it's Does he suspended his campaign after New Hampshire? No, he's still... Oh, I don't know. We'll get into that a little bit okay. later. He's, Bush is still rocking. He's going to go until the wheels fall off, which three of them are off already. This is a quote he has about Rick Schneider. And you tell me if this is tone deaf. Like, what, what, what are you talking about? He goes... 
I admire <laughs> that said should not start with I admire. I admire Rick Schneider for stepping up right now. He's going through the challenge. And he's fired people and accepted responsibility to fix this. This is going to be a long-term challenge. Instead of saying, the dog ate my homework and it's someone else's fault, once it became clear, Schneider has taken the lead. And that's exactly what I think leaders have to do. Delusional. Absolutely, it's been years. Absolutely 100% delusional. Yeah. There is no possible way. <laughs> I think he's a, a man with a worldview that doesn't fit reality. Absolutely. Yeah, yes. Dick Cheney. I mean, every week, Cheney comes through strong, and I have to tend to agree with him. It's just a crazy thing to say, especially as a party that I think rightfully so, you know, however it plays out in actual policy and things like that, but they, they are a party that really values personal responsibility. To say that Rick Schneider took personal responsibility about this, he's just got his tail tucked between his legs because he's terrified that he's going to get fired or worse, go to jail or, or face some kind of penalty. Which he should. Yeah, for completely leaving the city of Flint, Michigan to, to fend for themselves for years. I mean, it's an embarrassment. Also, the other thing is the memo is unbelievable. Please, get into it, Joey, please. Maybe I don't know. Apparently, there was a memo in July that said that a bunch of the households did, in fact, have high levels of lead in them and that they weren't surprised. Who, te- who wasn't surprised? Who t- oh, like whoever was testing it yes. found that there was... High- yeah, of course. Well, I mean, look, if you're in a situation where the entire water infrastructure of a, of a city needs to be replaced, we're talking a billion-dollar project. Yeah, of course. Somebody knew along the way. A lot of people probably knew along the way that this was, this was an issue. And we actually... I actually have more information about... Um, how this works just kind of across the the country in general but yeah definitely people knew that there was a problem there and more heads should roll and probably people should face criminal penalties for this did you have more on that that point or what no but the the other thing which which i really found interesting yeah was uh apparently they would have they, they would let well they told the people that lived in flint while they were doing like testing on the water to to run the water for several minutes before taking samples to be tested. Right, right, right. Which right. is ridiculous. Which is ridiculous that theoretically just gets the lead out of the initial sample that they're going to take. But that there in no way is that effective for actually removing the toxicity of the water. No, it's a horrible, it's a horrible crime, and it's something that you know they're not going to get their you know they they can sue there can be class action lawsuits but the damage is done well, you know what are you going to do and again it's a, a punishment for being poor and in a lot of cases black in america like that's really the issue you know yeah according to a guardian exclusive report this is really interesting and it's probably gonna it's not funny but it's gonna be something that becomes a bigger issue water authorities across the u.s are systematically distorting water tests to downplay the amount of lead in the samples they take this occurs quote in every major city east of the mississippi sounds like a problem well yeah of course and this speaks again i think this is a way to say you should support bernie sanders and i mean and hillary i guess to a certain extent they you they are definitely for rebuilding the infrastructure of the United States, which has been crumbling for decades. This is what this, these are the tangible results of going. We need less regulation. We don't really need to fund the states. Like we need to cut government spending. Yeah, but sometimes government spending is on making sure lead isn't in the fucking pipes. That's yeah. a big deal. And if it's every pipe and the EPA, why do you think they're you know fucking with the tests? Because they're undermanned. They're understaffed. They they they're out there trying to 
you know, piss into the wind. They have no ability to actually do the job correctly. So it's like, you know what? If we forge some of these tests, it is what it is. People probably aren't going to get that sick. They're not going to notice. Well, also you have to keep in mind, too, that the EPA's rule on lead and copper rule on the, um, the piping is yeah. 25 years old. Oh, yeah. That's got to be updated. Oh, absolutely. Right. I mean, it's a continual thing. People... You know, I mean, China has its problems, obviously. I'm not like saying, like, we need to be more like China, but China is constantly knocking down buildings, rebuilding things. I mean, and that, that, you know, that's a little bit of a game they're playing to make it seem like their GDP is better than it is and all this stuff. But to the point, though, they're constantly updating places like South Korea. They're constantly up, upgrading and updating. We, ha- we don't do that. We're no, pretty we content to just stick with 1970s pipes. Yeah, build it once and leave it. Yeah, until it, until it bursts, which seems like that's, again, a overarching kind of corporate mindset when we look at the methane leaks and stuff like that. Yeah, the well is 50 years old, but whatever, until it ruptures, we'll just deal with it then. That's not a good scenario, it America. It's really not how we should be operating. Um, all right. That's what I got for the uh, the lead in Flint. We'll keep our eye on that, obviously. I think more people are going to – I think we're just going to see more and more across the United States. I think you're going to see these problems everywhere. Because I was reading an article about uh, Philadelphia. Their testing is worse than Flint. Oh, is it really? The problem isn't worse than Flint, but like the testing, the way that they go about just – determining whether this yeah. lead is it's way less uh coherent than what they're doing in flint michigan yeah it's it's called pre-flushing what is that that's when you run the water oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. go ahead try that to, that'll work yeah right that's a good that's definitely a good plan all right shit joey i feel like we might end up making this kind of a quicker episode than normal i, I mean we have a pretty good iowa caucus we got a 2016 update but look at the clock it's only like 37 minutes i feel like well one interesting thing that you didn't mention oh good yeah about please the fill, please joe yes fill out this was the fact that uh darrell early who was the emergency manager of flint at the time uh-huh. didn't even show up to the hearing that they had sure yeah what was he doing he's probably golfing well, apparently they're going to subpoena him, so he has to show up and, right. for, you know, yeah, for the answer hearing. for the fuck up that he's presided over. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying, though. A lot of people have to face consequences here. There's, there's no two ways about it. You can't fail this badly and then just expect to be like, whoops. There has to be some kind of punishment, even if it includes jail time, possibly, because you're not going to be able to pay reparations for lack of a better word to people that have suffered under this this whole crisis that their kids are going to grow up sick now because of lead poisoning and all the stuff you're not really going to be able to take care of those kids as much as we're going to say we are and we're going to pay out it, the damage is done some kind of justice has to be done and it's got to be people that really drop the ball on this and, and cause the problem to begin with yeah but also they're dropping the ball the entire time yeah well one, of course right? one household the uh, they did the test, and the household had 400 parts per billion when the amount is only supposed to be 15 Christ. parts per billion. Right. I mean, that's the stuff where you drink a cup of water, and it l- literally kills you. I mean, that's really not good, not good at all. And it's going on the entire time. Yep. Well, I mean, again, that's kind of what happens, too, when you lose track of it's always something that comes up in debates where they go, the most important job of the president is to protect the American people. And I think when that sentence gets said, everybody immediately thinks of bombs and drones and guns and all the shit. But this to me falls under that. Um, 
whatever pair you know uh i can't think of the word but like that's what falls under that category of protecting the citizens this is protecting the citizens too making sure that everything is properly funded making sure that the right regulations in place and making sure that the right people are in place to enforce the regulation to make sure that people are not just getting sick simply by you know brushing their teeth at night that which is a reality of what's going on unbelievable it, it is and it isn't it is and it isn't it's it's a very it's a weird thing. We we talk about it a lot on this podcast. It's well, it's it is a it is a thread that runs through a lot of American life now where personal responsibility and corporate responsibility essentially. I know it's government is involved in this, but it's like the the notion of having to be responsible for the product that you're putting out is is really absent in a lot of ways and I don't know how that's going to be corrected, but it is something that needs to be corrected. Or this for 2.5 million a year. Right, and on top of that, right. Yeah. Well, it's the god of the bottom line, which we always talk about too. It's like you you got at a certain point Michigan is going to be losing money. There is no jobs there. The everything is crumbling. There's nothing going on. So you either accept that responsibility and go, "This has been a great American city for 50 years. The audio in- industry is gone, and we're partially to blame because of different trade packs like NAFTA mm-hmm. and now the TPP." It's like, where do you think those jobs are going? They're going overseas. Fine, but let's now we're just going to make these people live like they live in like shanties of China. That that's insane, and that's what that's what we're seeing. Crazy idea. If you fix the infrastructure, yeah, that creates jobs. Oh, no doubt about it, dude. I'm watching. Uh, I sound like Bobby Kelly. No doubt about it, dude. Uh, we, we were, I was watching. Uh, I, I mention all the time that New York documentary film. During the stock market crash, they still continued to build the Empire State Building. It didn't become profitable for like twenty, thirty years later. Huh. But. They got that thing built in record time. They had crews running 24 hours a day. They were, uh, you know, getting the steel out of Pittsburgh. By the time it got to New York, it was still warm when they were driving rivets through it to build this, you know, the Empire State Building. They wanted it done. Uh, Absolutely. And there was an appetite to do it. You don't think that there's people that would be willing to work, job training. Right. These are, these are, these are for sure the role for government. But we're going to pretend because it's an election season and because half of the country thinks that, like, nope, those are handouts to takers. It's like, are you out of your mind? If we, if you fund actual job training, actual education, and give people a chance to better themselves, I think you'll tend to see that people are, are not willing to just sit at home and collect a small check and, and whatever, do crack or whatever mm-hmm. the, the stereotype is. There's always going to be a percentage of people like that. But guess what? Go look at uh, Paris Hilton. Does she seem like she's producing a lot? She's just the opposite end of the spectrum. She's rich, and she probably sits around and, and just like drinks champagne and doesn't do much all day either. So there's, t- there's lazy takers on either side of the equation. But I think the vast majority of people want to be directed to do something, and they just need the opportunity and the training to actually do those things to succeed because people t- of course you're going to quit something if you don't have the if you feel like you're a loser and you're not being able to achieve the thing and, and do the job yeah then of course you get disillusioned with that and you don't want to do it and you feel bad but there's definitely ways around that and there's things that we can work on who do you think's going to do that joey trump no or or sanders you know well, who's more likely to make this stuff happen you know trump likes building buildings though yeah, that's true, but he also likes buying up other people's property and putting his stupid gold nonsense on it. So, the, yeah, you could private. That's the other big concern, and we'll wrap up with this. I mean, good. I feel like we kind of fleshed out this conversation a little bit. That's the other big thing that you got to keep your eye on when it comes to places like Flint and Michigan in general, Detroit. There might be a rebuilding period, but if it's not government doing it and if it's not a like a public works program essentially where you are trying to put on the job training and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. The whole 
place is just going to be owned completely by corporations. They're going to buy the land up. They're going to put whatever they're going to put there, whether it be agriculture, which is one of the proposals that I've seen, um, or they're just going to build houses. And then you're going to end up all these people that couldn't afford to live there after the auto industry collapsed. Where are they going to go? They're just going to get dispersed. It's going to gentrify and it's just going to become another you know, haven for, for corporate Starbucks and Applebee's and shit like that. It's not going to be what it used to be where it was a really classic working class union city you know Mm -hmm. you got to worry about this public private thing as well because eventually you're going to run out of land for people to publicly hold private corporations and businesses are going to own everything that's a huge issue and and we see it over and over again that's really what the um the oregon guys are talking about at the heart of it yeah the militia they they feel like look this has been land that's been in our family for generations and now all of a sudden the government is just going to control it you know Although that's, I mean, it's a little bit different, but it, but it's the same idea where we don't really control the land that we're even walking on. It's owned by whoever, Exxon, you know? And who pays the taxes. Right, and we're and right, and then we end up paying for the upkeep of it or the, the damage that they could, right, exactly. All right, you ready to move on to this Iowa caucus thing? To the caucus. Iowa caucuses happened, I guess, uh, Monday night. GOP results. Ted Cruz finished in, oh, you know what? Hold on. Yeah. Yeah, let, let's read the results. And then no, we'll no, read, no, pl- let's okay. read the results because okay. uh, I have our predictions that we made last week. Joey didn't listen to the episode again. He doesn't remember what he said. So <laughs> we'll play the predictions of what we said was going to happen, but let's read the results first. Ted Cruz, 27.6% of the vote. He got eight delegates. Donald, you're going to be nauseous with the amount that we win. We're going to be winning, winning, winning until you need to go to get chemotherapy. You're going to win so much. You're going to be sick. Finish in second place. We are a guy that... Wants to win, lost the first chance he had. Uh, he got 24.3% of the vote, seven delegates. Marco, my... My father was a bartender. Rubio uh, came in third place, 23.1. He got seven delegates, followed by Ben Carson, 9.3, three delegates. Rand Paul, 4.5%, one delegate. He has since dropped out of the race, uh-huh. okay? Rand Paul finished in fifth, dropped out of the race. Bush finished in six, 2.8, one delegate. Fiorina, 1.9, one delegate. Kasich, 1.9, one delegate. Mike Huckabee, 1.8, zero delegates. No dro- delegates. Dropped out of the race. And the overweight governor of Chris Christie, Joey's absolute favorite, mm-hmm. finished in 10th place, 1.8%, no delegates, still in the race. But he's attacking Rubio, and that's that's what really counts. It's so ridiculous because there was videos before this all started. Him, R- Christy, Rubio, Romney were like hanging out at like Rubio's summer house, eating ice cream and shit. Really? Yeah. And now they're going to attack each other. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, one of them was certainly eating ice cream. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know. Okay. So anyway, so Christy finishes in tenth place. Two guys in front of him drop out he's still gonna no, stick around still and we'll, we'll see what happens uh rick santorum also dropped out but who gives a shit democratic results is where it gets real interesting i watched it all night i was really into it hillary clinton 49.9 23 delegates mm-hmm. bernie sanders 49.6 percent 21 delegates so a virtual tie as as bernie is called it technically i guess hillary wins but bernie wants uh the raw vote count put out by the democratic national convention to just see They're what actually happened there out. they're not gonna put it out but all right so for all intents and purposes a tie and then martin o'malley 0.6% of the vote, zero delegates, and he has since exited the race. How happy are you about that one? You know, I got to be honest. I thought I was going to be a lot happier. I got a – he was just annoying me at the debates. He doesn't seem like a bad guy. I, I got a couple of – I got a, a snap or a tweet. I forget from who. Um, forgive me, but he was like, how bad do you feel for O'Malley right now? And I was <laughs> like, you know what? 
God love him. I really do feel bad because they cut to like where his like victory speech would be or whatever. Yeah. And it was just a darkened room <laughs> with like a banner. And it was just really, really sad to what like it just <laughs> with I was one like, oh, this on poor it. guy. I mean, nobody asked him to run. So like, fine, I guess they don't feel that bad for him. But like, oh, you poor bastard. It just didn't work out. But I'll say this. Yes. He could have dropped the fuck out before Iowa. It was clear he wasn't going to get any bit of the vote. And, and Bernie could have won. Yeah. Delegates could have gone to different people. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, I think a lot of his support would probably go to Hillary, but whatever. Now, before we get into anything else here, oh, let me just say this about Bernie. 84% to 14%. Bernie took 17 to 30-year-olds. Uh, 84% of 17 to 30-year-olds went with Bernie Sanders. 14 yeah. went with Hillary Clinton. The energetic people who still haven't been beaten down by their jobs and lives who can still have empathy and like are still into the idea of like sharing with others 84 percent went to bernie sanders yes okay i just want to put that out there do you want to hear what we suggested would happen from last week's episode yeah hit me with it final thoughts joey we're heading into the iowa caucuses by the next time we are talking to the samsonites we will know who won iowa prediction you're gonna make a prediction yes you're ready yeah here's a prediction you ready Uh uh-huh Oh. Damn it, I did it again. I, <laughs> forgot. I fucked up. I just every time I try to play a Carly Fiorina clip, it just doesn't work. All right, this is now, this is your big prediction. Carly Fiorina is <laughs> not meant to be on the show. Go, Joey. Hillary wins Iowa. Okay. Correct. Uh-huh. You nailed it. I mean, technically, she did. It's a tie. Yeah, she won. But I'm going to give it to you. Bunny wins New Hampshire. No, no we're talking about Iowa. I know. Right, <laughs> fine. So, Hillary, and then who wins on the Republican side? What do you think? You think you got it right, Joey? I John, hope I John what do you Cruz. think? Did you think Joey nailed this? John thinks Joey got it. Cruz. What? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Joey nailed Woo! it. Oh, you made the Woo! Oh, the microphone clipped. God damn it. Um, yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, I did. Stunning. You uh, let's listen to what I, I mean. Congratulations, you Thank really you. did a good Thank job. You. you you got I caught it. You got ahead of the Beltway Media on that one. You nailed uh, it. Way ahead of everybody. Yeah. Listen to the let's just listen to the rest of what we had to yeah. say. My prediction, and then we, we can uh, get on to the rest of this. Cruz, all right, we're going Cruz. I tend to agree with you on that. All right, I ah. said I te- yeah, but I make a different call. But I did okay. say I tend to agree with you. But all right, I'm gonna go with my heart, not my head. I'm gonna say Bernie wins Iowa. Fuck it. He hey. almost. I mean, pretty good. Bernie came pretty close, closer than he should have been, and, and arguably he probably could have won anyway. He was down fifty points. Yeah, I mean, he shouldn't have been. You're right. Okay, and uh, I think Trump's gonna win Iowa. Really? Yeah. By him not going to the last debate, it's going to help him win. Yeah. All right. So, idiot on this part. So, Joey, two for two. Yes, thank Very you. Very solid. I, I'm going to give myself one because Bernie was pretty close, but I, I blew it with the Trump prediction. So, all right. Samsonites, now you know who your new leader is. Maybe I should be the co-host. So I don't <laughs> know. Joey's just really on top of things. Okay. So, Donald Trump, we're going to do a little analysis of Donald Trump's uh, Iowa loss here. Okay. Okay. I have... Donald Trump came out the night of and gave a concession speech. It's three minutes. We're going to play it. We'll kind of, we can just listen to what he had to say. But in the days since, he's levied some charges against Ted Cruz, the senator. Of course he has. Who has won the Iowa caucuses. He says that Cruz stole the Iowa caucuses. Yeah, of course. Uh-huh. And uh, here are his tweets. As far, he wrote like six tweets. Ted Cruz didn't win Iowa. He stole it. <laughs> 
That that is why all of the polls were so wrong and why he got far more votes than anticipated. Bad. I love I lo- that's like his crazy speech pattern where he ends. You guys should watch the video. He ends with bad. That's the whole point of that sentence. During prime time of the Iowa caucus, Cruz put out a release that real Ben Carson was quitting the race and to caucus or vote for Cruz, which, by the way, <laughs> that's great. It's hilarious. That doesn't even bother me. Well, that's fine. Ben's quitting. Vote for me. Yeah, there's no rule against that. You can lie. Everybody. They're all lying. Uh, many people voted for Cruz over Carson because of this Cruz fraud. Also, Cruz sent out a voter violation certificate to thousands of voters. The voter violation certificate gave poor marks to the unsuspecting voter, grade of F, and told them to clear it up by voting for Cruz. Fraud. Fraud. And finally, Cruz strongly told thousands of caucus goers, voters, that Trump was strongly in favor of Obamacare and choice. A total lie. He closes with this. Based on the fraud committed by Senator Ted Cruz during the Iowa caucus, either a new election should take place or Cruz results nullified. I think a new. <laughs> I think we should just redo it. Yeah, yeah redo I, I, it. I had a great time watching Iowa. I think we should redo it. Is this guy out of his mental mind? What is going on with him? No, he's, uh, he's 100% right. Well, Cruz stole the election. And it's the only one he's going to win. I disagree. <laughs> I think Cruz did the right thing. You send out certificates telling people that they get an F if they don't vote for him. It's hilarious. <laughs> what, a, what a nutbag. Uh, it's just a crazy thing to do. I like it. Um, this is the problem for Trump, and this is what's exciting. We'll listen to his little concession speech. Mm-hmm. But him not winning crushes his entire argument of let's make America great again. We're, we're going to win nonstop. It's going to be amazing. Well, why didn't you win then? Oh, it's because the guy that won cheated. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. It's such a classic loser thing to do. Look. You can't be... The, an, another thing he did, too, was... Uh, Who, Trump? Yeah. did uh, Trump flew to Arkansas and gave a rally when he should really be in New Hampshire right now. Well, he's up in New Hampshire, so I guess he's probably just banking on the fact that he's going to win New Hampshire and, you know, he, he'll go with God on that. He's got to try to get ahead in some of these other states that he could potentially lose. But I think, again, you, you know, Rubio... Came in third, but he finished a lot higher than everybody thought he was. The yes. polling didn't indicate that. We, we've been saying a lot. Rubio is the establishment guy that yeah, is gonna eventually going to prevail. Right. Um, li- listen to this other quote, and this is another something that really validates shit that we've been talking about. And I know for sure I didn't get the predictions right, but I've been saying this a lot. Uh-huh. Trump on his ground game. What, what, what have I always said? He has no on-the-ground infrastructure. There's no, he has there no idea what he's doing. Knocking on doors. It's just not happening. Listen to this quote. He was on Morning Joe. Um, he says, I think we could have used a better ground game, a term I wasn't even familiar with. You know, when you hear ground game, you say, what the hell is that? Now I'm familiar with it. I think in retrospect, we should have had a better ground game. I would have funded a better ground game, but people told me my ground game was fine. And I think by most standards it was okay. Right. So now he knows what ground game is. Yeah, Does but- he spend more money? No, he's not going to spend more money. Of course not. That's just the thing. This is what he has to say. But that's what I said. He's not spending money. He's not spending money, certainly, on getting people out knocking on doors. You know how much money Cruz probably spent doing that? I he was there the now. entire primary process. He was, he was in Iowa getting out there. He said he claimed he talked to 70,000 people or something. Crazy. It's only 150,000 voters. So he talked to half of the people that were going to vote. And that's how you yeah, and he have the highest vote. turnout. Exactly. He got almost 30% of the vote, which is pretty, pretty good. Um, all right. Do you want to listen to Donald Trump's concession speech? Yes. Do you think it's worth it? Okay. Of course it's worth it. It's worth it, right? Because it raises some questions. I was watching it. Because you my- got to hear him be humble and then 
Which uh, is another bad thing for him to seem yeah. humble. Right. And then another day later, he uh, basically retracts everything he says and goes <laughs> crazy. Right. He goes, he goes full tilt crybaby, uh, which might be the title of the episode. Uh, this is Donald Trump about an hour after losing Iowa. And let's just see what he has to say. And we can pause it and whatever. Yeah, make, yeah. Our, make our little comments. Donald Trump at the podium in Iowa after a tough loss. C-SPAN created by cable. From the nation's capital and a public service of your television provider. Thank you. C-SPAN, public service. See? Created by mm-hmm. cable. Perfect. Unbelievable. I have to start by saying I absolutely love the people of Iowa. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Thank the people. Good job. So on June 16th, when we started this journey, there were 17 candidates. I was told by everybody. By the way, Trump looks very tan. Yeah, he does. He obviously goes tanning, right? I mean, he's got like the the raccoon eyes there. It's very white around his eyes, like what his real skin color is. And then he just, he looks like a a toasted coconut over there. He wants to look his best for the Iowans. (laughs) Yeah. You know, if Iowans respect one thing, it's, uh, you know, tanning salons. Sure. Do not go to Iowa. You could never finish even in the top 10. (laughs) That's hilarious. Nobody said that. Nobody said you could never even finish in the top. They were just like, you're running for president? What are you talking about? Because it's just making it seem like, so I did second. So that's pretty, that's like first. It is. And I said, but I have friends in Iowa. I know a lot of people in Iowa. I think they'll really like me. Let's give it a shot. They said, don't do it. I said, I have to do it. Mm -hmm. And we finished second. And I want to tell you something. I'm just honored. I'm oh. really honored. And I want to congratulate Ted. And I want to congratulate all of the incredible candidates, including Mike Huckabee, who's become a really good friend of mine. So congratulations to everybody. Now, intro- gotcha. you do know how different the night would have played if Trump beat everybody else out to the podium, especially Rubio? Oh, please. Well, yeah, but he had no leg to stand on. He couldn't do it. I know, but he The order done that it they anyway. came out was Rubio, I think Trump, and then Cruz, or Cruz, Cruz came out before Trump, I forget. But Rubio came out first, and coming in third, he, he essentially gave a victory speech. Yeah, like, he won. We defied the, uh, you know, my bartender father, I can't believe it. You know, he came out and did that whole thing. And then, interestingly, Trump congratulates everybody names Cruz doesn't mention Rubio because that's his real competition really. yeah I mean Cruz isn't gonna fucking he's not gonna win this thing and this would be the third straight election cycle that Iowa would have not picked the eventual nominee on the Republican side if Cruz doesn't get it which I, I doubt he will huh huh indeed congratulations I want to thank all of the folks that worked with us. We had a great team, and we will continue to have a great team. And uh, we're just so happy with the way everything worked out. And most importantly, I have to thank my wife and Laura and Eric and Vanessa and Don. They went out and they (laughs) Who, by the way, if you're looking at the people on stage, there is no way to tell who's his daughter, wife, sister. There's no way to know. (laughs) I mean, I know who it is, but like, if you're looking at the image, it's like, God damn it, his wife is like 30 years old and she's pretty hot. (laughs) Doing speeches and in fact, Don and Eric, I think you did about six speeches today. So I just want to thank my family. They have been so amazing and so supportive. And we've had every indication. We're going now on. We have a poll. We're at 28 points ahead. Okay? New Hampshire. We love New Hampshire. We love (laughs) South Carolina. And we're leaving tonight. And tomorrow afternoon, we'll be in New Hampshire. And 
Which was interesting that they said that. So they're leaving tonight. This is like 11 o'clock. Why, why is it going to take you 30 hours to get to New Hampshire? He's just probably going back to New York. He's going to scream into his, you know, he'll go into his uh, shit panic room. He'll scream a little bit and then he'll head over to New Hampshire because he's not happy. That'll be something special. It's going to be a great week and we're going to be up here next week. And I think we're going to be proclaiming victory, I hope. I will say this. I don't know who's going to win between Bernie and Hillary. I don't know what's going to happen with Hillary. She's got other problems, maybe bigger than the problems she's got in terms of nominations. All right. But we've had so many different indications and polls that we beat her and we beat her easily. And That's completely, that is factless. There is <laughs> neither. That is not true in any way. Okay. We will go on to get the Republican nomination Mm-hmm. And we will go on to easily beat Hillary or Bernie or whoever the hell they throw up there. I- a lot of them use that line, whoever the hell. Well, it's just going to be the either of those two. Yes. Because O'Malley dropped out. So, you know, there's, there's only three of them. And now there's only two. Uh-huh. We love you. We thank you. You're special. We will be back <laughs> many, many times. In fact, I think I might come here and buy a farm. I love it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Trumpy. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, Jeff? Th- thoughts on that? I mean, he's going to buy a farm. Well, that is an interesting expression to use, too, because, like, when you die or something ends, you go, oh, I bought the farm. Oh. So that's sort of like a weird, uh, you know, just kind of, I don't think he meant it that way, but that's kind of an interesting little thing you can read into. Um, all right. So that's, that's Trump. As far as this is concerned now, I just have a couple interesting poll numbers. Then we're going to do a quick, um, you know, we'll just look ahead in Iowa, yeah. uh, New Hampshire, excuse me, and we'll wrap it up. Um, political revolution. This was a poll that was taken. Americans are intrigued by a political revolution. Now, Bernie Sanders, obviously, being the guy that represents a political revolution, 54% strongly or somewhat agree Overall, with in the next decade, a political revolution might be necessary to redistribute money from the wealthiest Americans to the middle class. You can't use that word. Well, they did, and the majority agree with that statement. 54% overall you know, agree with it. 30% disagree with it. So it's quite a bit in favor of yes. Independence, 51 to 27 in favor. Huh. People who didn't vote in 2012, 58% to 19% disapprove of this. Tea Party supporters, fascinating, fascinating, and should be horrifying if you're a Republican. Because if fucking Tea Partiers agree 55% that we should and this might become necessary, then you got a problem because Bernie Sanders might actually pull some of your voters off the rolls. Especially if the if it becomes Cruz, Trump, Rubio, which I think is what it's going to uh-huh. be. Cruz and Trump a little bit. But Cruz specifically represents the Tea Party and those types of ideologies. He's not going to win the nomination. It's going to be that goofball Rubio. Yeah. And they're, they are not happy with the establishment Republicans right now. So a situation where it ends up being Hillary or Bernie or Bernie and, and, and Rubio, man, you might if you pull 10% of Tea Partiers, that's going to be a huge deal. Oh. Seniors are the only people that don't support this. Sure. Because yeah. you know, they don't want to upset the apple cart. Uh, obviously, I get that. Okay. Only 38% support it. Poll about supporting Bernie Sanders' agenda, all right? His, uh, 73% think we should raise taxes on the wealthy. 73%. It's so pretty high. Yeah. 66% believes we should raise, raise taxes on big corporations, which is interesting because you think that that might be flipped. I'd rather raise taxes on corporations than on actual people, right? Yes. 
single payer healthcare, fifty five percent support, and free college, fifty nine percent support. So pretty much everything that Bernie wants to do, polling at more than a majority of Americans. I mean, obviously it's a, a small sampling, but okay, Hillary's not going to do these things. That is a Bernie Sanders proposal, and it also means that people are not totally into what Obama did. We want to go farther than yes. what Obama did. Fair enough. Which do you think is a greater potential threat to the country's future? This is very interesting. Big government or big business. These are the two choices. Now, yes. people support Bernie Sanders' ideas. They think that we might redistribute wealth. It might be necessary to form a political revolution. 55% of registered voters think that big government is more of a threat than big business, which doesn't, that doesn't it seems like a dissonant concept, right? 58% of white people, fucking crackers, uh, think that uh, <laughs> government is a bigger problem than big business. 45% of African Americans think that big government is a bigger problem. And 55% of Hispanics, well, which makes sense, I guess, because the rhetoric that's coming out on the right where it's like, we're going to round you up and send you back to, you know, it's like, yeah, that's that maybe makes sense there. But I've got kind of surprised by those numbers, especially based on the other ones that seem to go the other way. So I don't know. Interesting. That's yeah, a little off. It's definitely a little off. Um, all right. A look ahead to New Hampshire, and then we'll get the fuck out of here, all right? Yes. Democrat polling, according to Nate Silver, who was pretty accurate as far as what we talked about last time. He had Cruz and Trump in a dead tie. Essentially, it would go either way, and mm-hmm. Cruz won, and Trump came in second. And he really had uh, Hillary winning, which she did, but that was probably a little bit closer than he would have would have guessed. But nonetheless, he was on. Polls Plus and Polls Only. Polls Plus is percentage, including endorsements. Polls Only is just polling okay bernie sanders polls plus and polls only 91 percent and a 96 percent chance of winning new hampshire okay according to nate silver so hillary's at nine percent and four percent chance of winning new hampshire so i would assume bernie's probably gonna win new hampshire yes. the interesting thing though i noticed because you got to pay attention to it's really all about the spin because yeah you win you lose iowa it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things but it's the way that it gets spin spun in the media mm-hmm. a lot of people because she won fractionally she won barely beat bernie they were like okay she can breathe a sigh of relief she won though if he won it would have been a bigger deal bernie probably should have done better that was the initial spin which i find insane yeah and it's also going to go to new hampshire if he doesn't beat her by 40 points if she wins if he wins by 15 it's a 20 for her. yes then they're going to spin <laughs> it the other way so in a sense they're creating hillary being the underdog somehow which is insane and that's how you get shitty politicians elected to the office of president just for that one election that's okay that one primary. Well, we'll see. Yeah, but it seems like the media, like when the Republicans talk about the media's in the tank, they are in the tank for Hillary because Bernie's not going to help them make money. No. You know what I mean? I mean, he's he's going to help us, but he's not going to help the corporate media complex. You know, it's just not going to happen that way. On the Republican side, we got some different numbers here. Trump has a 60% chance of winning with endorsements. I'll just do endorsements first, yeah. and then we'll do polls only. Trump, Rubio, 15%, 60 to 15. Cruz, 12. Kasich, 6. Bush, 5. Christie, 1. He has a 1% uh, chance <laughs> of winning. And then if you look at polls only, it's Trump with 74%. Cruz with 7%. Kasich with 6. Rubio with 5. Bush with 5. Christie with 2% chance of winning. So we'll see. Mr. Predictor, Mr. Yes. Fortune Teller, Tell me what you think is going to happen in New Hampshire. Democrat, then Republican. Okay. Democratic, Sanders. Oh, wow. Okay. And I'm going to do it just because I think it's time the establishment does something. Uh-huh. Rubio wins New Hampshire. 
All right, fair enough. Uh, I'm just writing this down. Hold on one second so that I don't have to go back and listen. Although I'll probably have to go back and listen anyway. That's fine. Um, yeah, Bernie, I'd be really shocked if he didn't win New Hampshire. It's a state touching Vermont. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like that's his area. It'd be really shocking if he didn't win. Again, keep in mind, when, if you guys, Samsonites, are listening, Joey, if you're paying attention to it, how they're going to spin it after the fact. If Bernie wins by 50 points, then Bernie won, and it's going to be a big problem for Hillary. If Hillary can be within striking distance, if it's close, or if it's, God forbid, as close as it is in Iowa, forget it. Hillary might as well just hand her the nomination now. The media will just kill Bernie, and it'll it'll be a big problem. So that's something to Mm -hmm. keep the eye on. I'm also going to go with Bernie Sanders. I think Bernie should probably win this thing. And man... All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna agree with you, Joe. You, you were right. I'm gonna go at Rubio. Okay. All right. So we both have the same picks going into Hampshire, so that way we can't. Uh, we'll both be right or both be wrong. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts? Great episode. Yeah, I had fun. I mean, I was a little. I got a little worried there at like thirty something minutes. I was like, "Fuck, I don't know if we have enough." Stuff to get into, but I, I had it prepared. Don't you worry. You always do. Oh, Joey, you're so sweet. Uh, Jeff Adigate, thank you so much for producing the show, man. We appreciate it. Uh, Samsonites, we love you guys a lot. Do me a favor. Go on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, leave us a comment. Let people know that you like the show. Give it five stars. and Because um, that helps. It's like a whole complicated metric to like get on the charts and all this stuff. And when the show first started, we were getting more comments and things like that on mm-hmm. iTunes. So we were up on the charts, which is great. And that's how you get more listeners. That's the case with all the shows. If you like TFM or the J Train podcast now, um, you know, go, go on there and leave a comment. Do, do it with all the shows that you like. We'd appreciate it if you did it for us. You can also go to soundcloud.com slash mandatory Samson. You can leave a comment on the episodes. I always respond to all of those. I tend not to go back too far. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't comment in a timely fashion, what do you want me to do? But you can go on there. You can listen to all the other episodes. YouTube.com slash mandatory Samson. We live stream every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pretty much. We tend to be on time. Uh, there's a live stream link on there, and then I put up full episode videos. It's the same audio quality. I overlay the video. It's a whole complicated process. But you can go look at our smiling faces, and you can see Joey, how excited he gets when he gets a prediction correct. Yeah. You can also uh, email us, like I mentioned before, mandatorysamson at gmail.com. I respond to all the emails. You guys sent a ton this week. You gave me a lot of extra homework, but I appreciate it, and I love you for all the uh, the attention you give us. Twitter.com slash mansamp. Joey is twitter.com slash. Joey from Jersey with a Z. And same stuff on Snapchat. Instagram, yours is weird, Joey, right? It's like a confusing oh, wait, one. That one we won't mention. All right, it's we don't okay. have to worry about it, but you can get in touch with us on Snapchat. Uh, <laughs> I really appreciate everything I get back from you guys there. All right. Oh, also, just to... Shit, I should have mentioned it before. I think there's, there, there was a Democratic town hall. I think there's a debate tonight, but it will have already happened if you're listening to this. I might cover it. I might not because the vote will have already happened by the next time that we record the episode. So it's kind of like the point is moot, but mm-hmm. if something really interesting happens, I'll bring that up. Otherwise, we will talk to you guys next week with New Hampshire results. God knows what else is going to happen in the world, but I promise we'll be on top of it. We love you. We'll talk to you then.